Does your writing feel more like spinning your wheels than making any actual progress towards your goals? Are you not even quite sure what your writing goals are? If that's you, you're not alone and you're in the right place. My name is Amy Simon, and this is the Purposeful Pen Podcast, where we uncover how to build a writing life that brings joy to us, glory to God, and benefit to others. This episode is part of a series called The Journey to Clarity. I've interviewed a variety of Christian writers who have a clear idea of who they write for and what exactly they have to offer that reader. Many times, as we're working through that process for ourselves, it seems like it should be a clear, straight path. Shouldn't we just know one day who we're writing for? Maybe you don't have a clear idea of who that reader is, you aren't sure how to get there, and you feel like you just must be doing it wrong. I want to assure you that you're not doing it wrong, it just isn't usually a straight, clear path. In these episodes, these writers share their own journeys of how they found that clarity. And in most cases, it didn't come as a lightning flash or an email from God. It was a winding process with detours along the way. So I hope these stories will encourage you. Hey there, and welcome back to The Purposeful Pen. And today I have another interview with a friend of mine, Jill McCormick. So Jill is going to tell us a little bit about her story and how she came to know who she is writing for and um, what it is that she has to offer that reader. So thanks, Jill. Thanks for coming and, and hanging out and chatting today. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. This is such a delight. I'm looking forward to hearing more of your story too. Um, so start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Where are you in the world? What What is your life like? So we are in South Texas, and I would say I'm a follower of Jesus, wife to Ryan, mom to two teenage girls who are 18 months apart, owner of one high-maintenance Vizsla puppy. And in my spare time, I work as the communications director for our church. I do freelance editing for book proposals and book manuscripts. I speak at mom's groups and women's retreats, and then I am the host of the Grace in Real Life podcast. Awesome. That is a lot of things. <laughs> Just like your listeners, all your listeners are also doing all the things. You're doing all the things. We're Absolutely. all doing all the things. Absolutely. So who is it that you write for? And you know, who is your reader, your listener, and what is your message, your primary message to them? I love these questions. So my listener is a woman who wants to wholeheartedly pursue Jesus. She wants her real life and her faith and her busy calendar to intersect. But there's a part of her that's like, how do I do that? She wants grace to just have its way with her in her real life where she's like, where does grace meet me on a Tuesday when my husband is out of town and I'm trying to make dinner and also pick up the kid from band practice and the dark dog is barking and the laundry just went off. What does grace look like in that moment? Because I want to be gracious to myself. I want to be gracious to the people in my life, but I don't know how to do that. Like grace seems super ephemeral and like something I just can't get a handle on. 
And so practically, what does it look like? And how can I give grace to myself and others in my real life? So that's who my listener is, the woman who wants that, but isn't sure exactly how to do it. She needs some handles on that. And then I would just say, demographically speaking, my listener is between 35 and 45. More than likely, she's a mom. She works part-time and she's a woman. So demographically, that's where my listener tends to land. And in terms of my message, my message is that God's grace is for you right now in the middle of your real life. And I define grace as God's grace is the person of Jesus who understands our humanity and comes alongside us to work on our behalf. So that's my message and that's my audience. I love that. And I, I love your, you are super clear, you know, exactly who that person is and, um, and also what it is that you, that you offer them. Um, I love that. It's super practical that it's cause I agree that I think grace can feel like this up there churchy word that we don't actually really know what that means. I mean, we say grace over our food, right. But like, what, what does that actually look like? like you said, on Tuesday. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so that is super cool. I really like that. And so I'm guessing you woke up one morning and knew, yep, this is it, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Instantly download from God and clear messaging. So I actually started writing online back in the blogging days for me. I started in 2016. And what I, I did not, Amy, I didn't really want to write. I have no aspirations to write a book. I think I'm like one of four people in our circle of friends that we know in the writing community who doesn't actually ever want to write a book. And that's because I love to speak. I love speaking at women's groups, at retreats, at conferences, for mops. But I knew that... If I didn't have real estate online, no one would ever book me to speak. If they didn't know, if I didn't have a statement of beliefs, if I didn't have blog posts articulating, this is the type of messaging that I will have, then I knew no one is ever going to trust me with their audience as they should not. Like if there's nothing online to refer back to, then how do they know what I am going to say to a room full of women? That is a dangerous place for an event planner, not knowing exactly who you're getting. So I started online writing in 2016, and the name of my website was and still is jillemccormick.com. Right now, my tagline or what my branding, I would say, is grace in real life. Back in that day, in 2016, it was an achiever goes rogue, which I thought was amazing, Amy, at the time. Um, but it brings up a lot of questions and needs, needs to educate people. Like, like, what is an achiever? Am I an achiever? Going rogue from what? What are you moving toward? And like, I spent so much energy trying to convince people they were an achiever because an achiever is that woman I just outlined. 
She's a hard worker. She loves her people well. She has a full or part-time job. She's a mama, and she just wants to have Jesus intercept every part of her life. And I was calling that an achiever, but I had friends who were like, I, I'm not type A. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm high achieving. And so I had to like jump this hurdle of like, no, 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 but you are. And here's why. Well, if you have to educate your audience on too many points of your slogan, like that, that just gets real hard. So I would say I started in 2016 writing under an achiever goes rogue and I started leaning away from that and it wasn't really until 2020 and I got very clear on, I'm actually going to launch a podcast because again, speaking is what I love and podcasting is a way to get to do what I love without having to be hired by an outside organization or group or church to get to speak. And so when I started my podcast in 2020, I was like, well, what, what am I going to call it? And what direction am I going to go? And just talking with Jesus and going, you know, we got to wrestle this stuff out, right? It's never linear. And so wrestling it out and workshopping with it with friends and bringing in community, then it became grace in real life, which is just, I just adore, I just adore that because I think women are so hard on themselves and we tend to beat ourselves up. And we wonder, how can I give grace to me when I just, all I see are my mistakes. And so I stand by that now. An Achiever Goes Rogue had a great run, uh, but I'm also glad that's not my thing. You know, that's, that's awesome. That's such a testament to, you know, as, as writers or speakers or creatives, we, we like those catchy little things like an achiever goes rogue. I mean, I like that. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like if, if you have to explain it too many times, like it's probably not serving the purpose that you want it to serve. Right. So clear Trump's cute, right? <laughs> Amen. Preach it sister. And now I'm, I'm curious because I know when I coach people about trying to figure out, you know, what is this message they have to offer Many, many, many times, if not most of the time, the message that we have to offer comes from our own life experience. It comes from things that we have struggled with. And so because we have struggled with them, we're passionate about them, right? Because they mean so much to us because we've had to fight our way to get there. So am I right in guessing that this message of grace for you was a and is a um a significant one like why why is it why do you talk about grace why is that your thing i love that question i would say you're 100 percent right that is not a guess that is 100 percent on the nose i and i say in my writing and in my speaking and on my podcast like i come to you not as an expert in grace but as someone who struggles with grace. And I have Jesus and I, I feel like, was it Jacob who had the limp? Like, I feel like I've wrestled with the Lord about like, what does this mean? And how do I do it? Because for most of my life, I've known Jesus since I was in first grade. 
And my dad was on the elder deacon board. My mom was in charge of the nursery at our church. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday for Awana. I was in youth group. I went on mission trips and I knew Jesus on a very knowledge-based head level. And I knew do these things, don't do these things. And also things like don't fear and rejoice always. And I just felt this crippling weight of, but this is really hard. And I, I, I don't know how to rejoice in this, but I'm going to put on a happy face. I'm going to put on my game face and just, Jesus told me to rejoice only. And so I'm going to do it. And, and I'm not supposed to be afraid, even though all of this is terrifying. And it just felt like a weight instead of this free and light, easy burden that he promised us. So I'm like, Jesus, what, what, what do I do with my hands? Like, I don't know what to do. I know so much about you. But when, you know, I have two little girls, 18 months apart, I'm, I love working. I love it. Work is my happy place. Parenting is my scary place where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. They, as soon as I figure it out, they change developmentally, they change. And what works for one daughter doesn't work for the other daughter. And so I'm like, Jesus, this is above my pay grade. I don't know what to do. You have to help me. And so it was at that point, And I would imagine many of your listeners have felt this, although I hope they haven't, where you just come to the end of yourself where you're like, I've run out of works-based positive thinking, you know, flogging my heart with scripture. I, I can't, I can't do it. And so God, I choose to believe you are who you say you are and that you're going to help your girl who is struggling down here and going to counseling and talking with friends and praying through it. That's how grace became my thing because I just, I'm just not naturally, I, I will easily give grace to someone else. But in terms of giving it to me, I expect perfection and that there is no room for error. And that's just not a sustainable, healthy, fun way to live. Like that's not the kind of life I want to have or the atmosphere of my home I want to have. And I knew Jesus and I need to figure this out. So let's let me work out my salvation by writing it. And that's, that's where we are. I love that. I love that. And, um, I love how you, um, yeah, you're working it out as you go. Like how much more do we learn by teaching it, by trying to put a message together, by putting a podcast together or a blog post or like, oh, now I have to figure out how to make this work in my own life because I'm trying to communicate it to somebody else. And, um, it's such a great way to, instill it in our own hearts, as well as being able to offer that to somebody else. So very cool. Yeah. I love it. How God takes the things that we, the things that we've been comforted in and uses it so that we can then comfort others and help others. And so switching gears a little bit, what does it look like? Do you think for Christian writers and creatives to offer grace to themselves? Like, where do you see as writers in particular that we get hung up? on some of these things. Um, how can we offer grace to ourselves and to others? So I'd love to, if we can, I'll separate this into how to offer grace for yourself. And then I'll 
talk about how to offer grace for others. So in terms of grace for yourself, you know, Jesus always gives us things in real time so that we could share them with others. So just last week in preparation for this interview conversation with Amy Simon, just last week, I am working on writing my email newsletter. And I always want it to tie into something that I've experienced within the past seven days. I do a weekly newsletter, something within the past seven days and something about grace. Where have I seen God's grace meet me in the past seven days? And so I pray through that. I'm like, Jesus, what do your girls need to hear? What do you want me to write about in this newsletter? And I came up with like, I don't know, four or five ideas so I'm like, do, 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 okay, those, those sound good. So I sit down to write and I write it. I'm like, okay, that's okay. That's okay. And so I write my email newsletters on Monday. They go out on Thursday. Well, Wednesday, I just felt like the Lord was like, yeah, so we're going to scrap that. And I've got something for you. I'm like, awesome. That is great. Because whatever Jesus gives me is going to be way better than any words Jill McCormick cobbles together. And so I share that story to share that I like to treat writing and also my life as a science experiment where I'm like, my hypothesis is I'm going to write about this topic. That I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be, but that's my hypothesis that this is the topic we're going to write about. And because it's a science experiment, it is not carved in stone. Like I don't have the Ten Commandments engraved on stone tablets here. Like, it's the internet. Like, I can delete stuff before I hit send. So it's a science experiment, and I'm just going to see if it works or if it doesn't work. So I think one way I've learned to extend myself grace is to not get trapped into the idea that what I do now must be forever what I do and that there's no room for error. Because the basis of science is trying something and then evaluating. Do I like it? Do I not like it? When I did that thing, did I like how I felt? Did my family like how they were treated when mom was trying that science experiment? Or did it feel, did it feel light? Did it feel hard? Was it fun? Did it bring me joy? Was it helpful to the reader? So if I can set myself up to think, hey, when I write this Instagram post, I'm going to try this style, see how I like it. And typically when I do a science experiment, not, not like a literal science experiment, I'm talking about writing experiment. I try to do something for six weeks and just see how I like it. Because, you know, one time you never know. So that's one way I believe we can offer ourselves grace. Another way is to ask the Lord to help you do the heavy lifting. I think early in my writing career, I thought, I am responsible for all the things. And if I can't figure out all the things, then this is going to go south real fast. And I just have to know how to do all of it. And yes, do we have a part to play in this ministry? Of course. Like my hands are the ones typing the words. My hand hits send. I'm in charge of creating graphics. Like, yes, there is stuff that we do behind the scenes, uploading, downloading, creating all the things. But when it comes to the content, I like to pass the buck to Jesus, where I'm like, what, what do you want me to say? What would be most helpful 
to my listener or my reader, not what do I want to vent about, not who needs to hear my opinion about the latest cultural slip up. What does God want his girls to hear? And so if I can keep leaning on Jesus and letting him bear the weight of that, and y'all, he's never failed. He's never failed. He's never not shown up. And I think part of that is when I sit down to write, and again, I'm training myself. I'm not perfect at this, but when I sit down to write an Instagram caption, a podcast episode, a newsletter, I say, Jesus, will you help me with this right now? This is your work. And that's, you know, two sentences. So that's how I think we can give grace to ourselves. Does that answer your question? It does. It does. And I, I love how you're talking about that. Um, it's like, we need to give ourselves freedom to, to try something that might not work. I think so many of us struggle with kind of the sense of perfectionism. Like I have to have all the things all figured out and planned out like a year in advance and it has to be all perfect and it has to stay this way. And even if it's not working, we have to keep doing this. (laughs) Yes. Even if I hate it and my children are tired of being yelled at, I just got to keep going. No, right. No, you don't. It's like, no, no, it's okay. And there's freedom to experiment. I love the, the science experiment analogy. Um, you know, it just, just try things and see what works. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely. I love that. So then what about extending grace to others? So we know that our God is not a formulaic God. He is not cookie cutter. However, God is also practical. He's also helpful and kind and gives us instructions. And so in my wrestling with the Lord about this concept of grace, I feel like there are three areas that are practical that can help us extend grace to others. One is bring whatever is happening into the light. Two is repent. And three is let God tend to your heart. So how do these three concepts apply to grace for others. So as a writer, not only am I writing and learning and figuring out how to become a better writer, how to study the word of God to accurately interpret it and apply it, but I'm also looking around at other writers, (laughs) like what's Amy Simon doing? And how did she do this thing? And what about that guy over there? And, and what are his stats and what are his numbers? So they're all the things. So in terms of, as we're writing, yes, it is an individual sport. And also we're surrounded by a whole bunch of other writers. So in terms of bringing it into the light, I am talking about what am I worried about? What am I struggling with? What emotions do I feel? And it could be, I feel jealous that I'm just picking on you because I can see your face on Zoom. I'm jealous that Amy Simon has more downloads than I do. And I need to bring that into the light, not necessarily to Amy, but I need to bring that into the light with Jesus and say, okay, this is something I'm dealing with. Or Jesus, I'm really struggling with my metrics, like putting my worth and my value in how many shares, how many likes, how many page views, how many new subscribers. And we need to bring all that is rumbling around in our heart into the light. Because I think whether 
others means fellow writers, which we can sometimes view as competitors, or it's people who are not subscribing, like, why, why don't they like me? And why didn't they like this post? And why haven't they subscribed? Like, sometimes we can project feelings onto them. And that's, we need to bring that into the light because I believe undealt with emotions leak out in super weird ways. And we don't even know that we're struggling with jealousy or feeling unworthy or whatever we might be feeling, worried that we're vain because our URL has our name in it. And who are we to put our opinions and views and teachings into the world? Like we must be narcissists if we think we should be doing this. And so we need to bring all of those feelings into the light because they impact not only our family, but our listeners, our readers, our Instagram followers because things leak out in weird ways. In terms of that second idea of repent, we really have to repent. Like if I'm jealous of someone, I need to bring that to the Lord and say like, I'm jealous of her. Like, I don't, I want her to have that. That's great. But I want that for me too. (laughs) Like, I don't want you to take it away from her, but why, why isn't that my story? Why, why are you holding out on me? God, what is wrong with me that I don't have the same number of likes or I didn't get that book deal or she has more followers or whatever it might be. We have to repent of some of that jealousy and that anger and that bitterness to the Lord. And then I think a third, that third idea of letting God tend to your heart. It's like, what does the Lord want to tell you? Like when you look at that person and you say, oh, but she had as many downloads as one month as I've had in an entire year, what does God want to tell you about who you are and who he is? And what truth does God want to remind you of that can replace the lie that you're thinking of? And I think so much of extending grace to others really is actually in an internal work in our own heart. And I would say just for, for those who are like, but how do I know it's God speaking? Like, if I, if I ask the Lord, like, Lord, what do you want to tell me about this thing? And like, how do I know it's not my own thought that I've just generated, or it's something my third grade ELA teacher told me? How do I know it's not me or someone else? How do I know it is actually the Lord? The Lord never contradicts what is in his word. He always speaks with encouragement and conviction, not condemnation or anger or shame. And what he says, you can ask a friend who loves Jesus, like, hey, I feel like the Lord told me I'm a good writer and he loves when I partner with him in writing words, do you think that sounds like something the Lord might say? And you can ask a friend because if it's God inspired, your friend will be able to steer you. But if you heard you're the worst writer in the history of time, you're ruining your kids because you should be spending more time with your kids and less time on your laptop. And why can't you figure this out? And you should be better at this and you should have all the tools and the secret sauce, but you don't. Well, that's not your friend, Jesus, because he never shames or 
condemns or makes you feel bad about yourself. He will convict, but he never condemns. So yes, grace for others really actually starts with, with understanding grace for ourselves. Yeah. I was thinking that as you were talking, I'm finding in my own life that the things that I struggle with extending to other people, like if I'm struggling with being critical or whatever it is, like it's really stuff that I'm struggling with, with myself, you know, and it gets kind of pushed out on, onto other people, but the real issue is, is me (laughs) and extending that grace to myself and the acceptance to myself and things like that. Um, And then it's so much easier to extend it to other people when we're internalizing that ourselves. So that, that totally makes sense. I appreciate that. I have a wise friend who said, you know, anytime I have a conversation with someone and I'm picking up like, oh, they're really judgmental or they're really legalistic or like they're really sharp. She says, I have to remind myself, oh, but if this is what's coming out of their mouth to me, how much louder and more amplified is that voice turned in on themselves? And she said, and that gives me so much compassion and understanding where she's like, I bet I'm getting 10% of the judgment and legalism that they just bombard their hearts with every single day. And so she said, so then I know like, okay, I just need to be just so gentle and so compassionate in that conversation, which I think speaks to wisdom and maturity. Cause I'd be like, well, and listen, because <laughs> sometimes Let me help again, you with yeah. the grace girl has a hard time with grace. And so it's, it's always good to like, okay, all right. This is for me too. It's for me too. That's a great perspective. I really like that to, to realize when someone you're struggling, receiving that from someone else, there's so much more that they're probably um, struggling with internally on their own. Yeah, definitely. Great perspective to remember to be compassionate rather than frustrated back again. So Jill, thanks so much. This has been super helpful. And um, I love hearing about um, how that journey has taken you to where you are. Um, So where can people find you? What's the, so tell us again, the name of your podcast, your website, and all the other things that you do. Sure. So you can find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and it's called Grace in Real Life. And then my website is jillemccormick.com. McCormick, like the seasonings you would find in the baking aisle. Uh, You can also find me at jillemccormick on Instagram because I'm super tricky. <laughs> clarity, clarity is good, yes. right? Clarity trumps cute. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jill. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me, Amy. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it helpful in your writing journey. Please take a look at the show notes for links and resources that were mentioned in the episode. I would love to continue the conversation with you on Instagram. You can follow me there at Amy Simon Writer. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear about it. And you can help the podcast grow by subscribing and sharing it with others who might benefit as well. May you build a writing life that brings joy to you, glory to God, and benefit to others.